Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Me and Dan sat down with Scott Cronin. Scott is a avid turkey hunter that's hunted all over the country. He has killed, I don't know, hard telling how many turkeys. He has some great advice for anybody that is a turkey hunter from new turkey hunters all the way to experienced turkey hunters. You guys are really going to like this one. We also talked about some of the programs that Scott has helped develop over the years and really got into the community of deer hunting and how important it is for us as deer hunters uh, to remember our community and the, the heritage that um, the, the deer hunting world has created over the years. Before we get into the episode, got to thank some of my partners. Osseo Gear. It's a great option for whitetail hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing company on the market in quality. Plus, you get a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo. Can't beat that. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand longer. Visit asiogear.com to get you some great hunting clothing. All right, everybody, let's face it. We all have cameras that are lying around, either broken or completely worthless. Thankfully, right now, after a ton of great feedback from last year, Exodus is opening up a upgrade program. So how does it work? In short, order any camera on ExodusOutdoorGear.com and use the code UPGRADE to save 25% off on any Exodus render, render bundle, rival, or rival bundle. After placing your order, the Exodus team will send you a return label for the trade in camera. After receiving the camera, they'll ship you your full order with that 25% discount. If you're new to Exodus Trail Cameras, I'll just say this, I got a five-year warranty, five-year theft and damage coverage, and best-in-class customer services. Been using them their cameras for a long time, and I, I really enjoy using them. Getting ready to use their new model this year, the Rival. Can't wait to try that thing out. Be sure to take advantage of these unique savings opportunities and replace an old piece of junk camera you got laying around for something nice like a new exodus camera this upgrade program is only for the remainder of april or while the their supplies last there at their hq as always be sure to head over to their website and sign up for their email newsletter and stay up to date with all their announcements i've caught wind of that they have some really exciting announcements coming down the pipeline so be ready for that for more details on that campaign uh, the trade-in campaign head to exodusoutdoorgear.com slash page slash exodus upgrade program and i'll link all that in the description below hunting beast gear makers of the best mobile stand and sticks on the market if you guys have not gotten your hands on the beast sticks or beast stand you haven't felt that wow factor yet and at these shows that i work with the, with hunting beast gear Whenever someone new picks up a beast stand, that's what happens is they get this wow factor on their face. For the size and the weight, there's nothing that beats the beast stand on the market. You gotta get your hands on one. It's developed by real mobile hunters with a real world experience. You guys are gonna love their products. So head over to huntingbeastgear.com and pick you up some beast sticks and beast stand. And finally, Stealth Outdoors. If you're not using stealth strips, honestly, you're not trying hard enough. Stealth strips are hands down the best silencing tape on the market. Once you put that stuff on your gear, it doesn't come off. It'll last for years and it does exactly what it's supposed to. Makes your gear absolutely silent. Silence your 
preset stands with it, silence your mobile gear with it, go over to stealthoutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips. My favorite product that they sell is the buckle silencer. That seems like something that is constantly making noise is your buckles when you're swinging them around the tree or hitting them off something or they're dangling around. Put that buckle silencer on those buckles and be deadly quiet. The link to all my partners are down in the description of this episode. Go and check them out. All right, everybody. Let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hope everybody's doing good tonight. Hopefully everybody uh, got a uh, – probably have a light crowd just because everybody's – a lot of seasons open tomorrow, I think. Everybody's probably out roosting birds, but um, – Got a uh, uh, much-needed guest on tonight. Everybody's been bugging us about getting some turkey hunters on, and we got Mr. Scott Cronin on tonight. Um, how's it going, Scott? It's going good. I appreciate you having me on. I'm I'm proud of uh, proud of what you've done and and how you and Dan are collaborating together. I've enjoyed watching several of your episodes and uh, just keep up the good work. So no, oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Um, yeah. Scott, you've got you've hunted all over the country for turkeys throughout your life, haven't you? Pretty much. If yeah. if you uh, if you ask certain people, I've I've um, I've tried to find a creative way to tie my travel and work with uh, getting to take part in hunting, and so I've adapted to that. And uh, through the through the travels, where maybe some people have gone to a shopping mall or gone to an amusement park where they're traveling with work i'm jumping on a national forest or wma or knocking on doors and it's uh it's been great and, and turkeys are a lot cheaper to kill than elk and mule deer and yeah. uh, most of the tags are, are cheaper than than whitetail tags and it's a pretty pretty much easy over-the-counter tag in the majority of the states so turkey hunting's been really good to me a lot of fellowship uh, a lot of different tactics can be used and turkeys come in all shape forms and sizes along with uh skill levels that you need to kill birds, whether it's in big timber or field, uh, there's a, there are easy turkeys to kill and there are turkeys that deserve our respect. And, and, uh, yeah. hopefully we'll talk about that tonight. Oh yeah. Uh, for sure. I, something I noticed about you, I was going to bring up is, uh, you, you talk about fellowship and turkey hunting and that's kind of how I like view turkey hunting is like, I like to go with people and not, more so than, than even deer hunting. Um, but I was looking for a picture of you with a turkey on your Facebook profile. Uh, yeah. Uh, this this afternoon, making a a uh, you know a thumbnail for this episode, and I could I could yeah. hardly find a, a picture of just you and a turkey. It was like you and a buddy, or you and your daughter, and yeah. you and your wife. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, yeah. this guy's no. with people. Yeah, a lot around. of yeah, a lot of times I didn't grow up. Uh, I didn't grow up where you had to promote yourself as a consistent and good outdoorsman with uh social media um and the photography thing uh not to jump off in the weeds right out of the gate but you know we we title a lot of people as experts in the hunting industry uh but more importantly i want to be known as a conservationist and a a mentor and a sportsman um that's hard to do Um, all three of us have some shape form or fashion of payment that comes into our bank accounts because of of what we do but I, I think it is important to uh to get people out there and to share what we know uh and to introduce them to the outdoors but uh yeah i'm not i'm not into all the self-clicking buttons and 
and wireless uh, controllers and stuff to take all these great images. But yeah. I do try no. to enjoy enjoy the the settings a lot, you know. Yeah. No, you had uh, you had plenty of good photos. It was just always with a with a buddy or with a uh, your daughter or just just someone yeah. always with you in it in in yeah. the, the photos. I wasn't. Yeah. There. I did. I, didn't mean... I did feel. I felt warm and fuzzy when I seen that picture that you kind of edited with me and Dan. Yeah. I was like, Man, I, that's 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 true love right there. So. <laughs> I don't know how good a job I did. If anybody could uh, tell that was Photoshop, but. So, you know, it's, uh, kind of, it's kind of interesting, the conversation you guys are having, because uh, it reminds me of uh, uh, my days turkey hunting. And when I started turkey hunting, it was when turkeys really first started getting hunted in Wisconsin. They were reintroduced here. And you had to, you, you know, apply and hope you'd get a tag. And and I learned how to turkey hunt on my own. I didn't have any mentors, yeah. anybody hunting with me. Nobody even really turkey hunted yet. They didn't know about the sport. Um, I had to travel away from my home because there was no turkeys by my home at that time. And uh, the first, you know, you know, five to eight years that I turkey hunted, it was solo. And I just, uh, you know, went out and enjoyed that on my own. And then when I started hunting with uh, Dave and we started turkey hunting and my kids got to age to turkey hunt, it became a lot more enjoyable and a whole different sport. Yeah. And the whole bringing people into it and i can remember when we used to just get as many tags as we could between the kids and uh dave and i and stuff and we would just the whole season be out hunting turkeys and if we had a week we didn't have somebody with a tag or we filled up we'd be looking for some kid that had a tag and those were the yeah. funnest days of my life for turkey hunting and it's kind of sad yeah. now that my kids grew up and now they're uh too old to chase silly birds with their dad and uh yep. and dave's gone and it just it doesn't have the appeal it used to. i still go but it's back to kind of like yeah you know turkey yeah. hunting. yeah what what surprises me about turkey hunting is um for example i i've been up to wisconsin and turkey hunted and and you travel to all these different places and there's some places that turkey hunting is a legit challenge i mean i would i would put it up with trying to kill a, a big whitetail um <clears throat> excuse me but there's also places where you know you always have those people like you traveled from where to come hunt turkeys you don't have turkeys where you live and it's like we're out of tags and i would i would just about bet that most of the people that you see that travel all around the country they they're basically they're good sportsmen because if they lived in their hometown as much as they love the turkey hunt they'd be the worst outlaw in their community um and and that's really what drives this turkey hunting thing is we run out of tags and it's kind of what's going on with this turkey situation right now. Um, there are so many people that can get in the truck for five hundred, eight hundred, a thousand dollars, and and eat out of their cooler and and sleep and and hunt and hit two or three states, and and accomplish quite a bit as a hunter. Um, and and I think that's grown in popularity. So it's it's even those of us like Dan saying that have learned to hunt with other people and get the enjoyment. Um, one thing I will say about turkey hunters is it seems like we're always trying to up the bar and, and like, okay, we, we get this many states this year. How many can we get next year? And then you're trying to grow a group. Like tonight I'm working with five other grown adults and we're on the national forest and we will hunt tomorrow. But those five individuals are here because we're trying to figure out what we can do to better curriculum and education for youth. But what we have in common is we turkey hunt. And we'll turkey hunt before a normal work day 
we'll all be getting back to the truck eight thirty, nine o'clock, and then we'll spend the day working and, and processing through things. And so I would really encourage people, um, if they haven't started to share turkey hunting with other people to do so back when turkey hunting first started, it was like, you had to keep a secret because there wasn't that many turkeys to hunt. And we were, we were real secretive. There was hunters and then there was turkey hunters. And now I'm seeing some of that negative side of keeping hush hush about it, um, actually come up again to where people are almost beating their chest or trying to figure out what type of status they are as an alpha male based on how many turkeys they can kill as we see this decline in turkey in some certain areas. So, um, if people are listening and you're kind of on the fence about, you know, where you're at with your turkey hunting career or what it is for you as a sport. Whatever you do, if you're in an area that's seeing a decline in birds, please, please don't take away from what Dan and I are trying to tell you. And that is make it a social event and, and utilize it to to pass on to especially new hunters, females and children. Um, you know, it's just a it's a fantastic sport. I'm very passionate about it. Love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get excited to uh, turkey hunt every year. I'm not like a I've never been a hardcore turkey hunter. Like my dad didn't turkey hunt growing up. My grandpa didn't, we didn't turkey hunt. Um, and now I just look forward to it because like I got a buddy from high school that comes and, and hunts with me every opening weekend. And it, like, it's the only time of year I really see him. We spend a long weekend together. And that's like, I really look forward to that. Now my wife's wanting to get into it and I'm looking forward to that. And it's like, yeah. you know, I'd be tickled pink if I didn't shoot a bird this year. And those two got, you know, yeah. birds. Um, oh yeah. And I, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in the program, but it's amazing how you can spend all day hunting till your feet are burning, you know, in your boots. And, and yeah. it seems like you can't do anything right. And then next day you go out in five minutes, it's over. You know, it's just like that. That's I think that's part of what keeps us going back too. I, I feel like I'm defeated more uh, with other species than I am turkeys. Uh, but I, I feel like the challenge is just a little bit different, tweaked in, in, a, in a different way when a turkey beats me versus if a whitetail beats me you know so yeah yeah for sure um i guess scott before we get too far into this <laughs> these weeds can you kind of give us a yeah. a uh, elevator pitch of who you are and like what you've kind of accomplished as a turkey hunter over the years sure uh, i uh i'm 44 years old i live in western kentucky i grew up in northern kentucky off the ohio river been a uh, agriculture education teacher for 22 years. Uh, my background is uh, pretty diverse in turkey hunting. I, I started at a young age, um, actually started doing the traveling aspects of turkey hunting when I was in college. And I started chasing seasons. I wanted to turkey hunt in certain states come in earlier than others. So I started learning the, the game and I started realizing that uh, this could be something that I do other than just in my home state. Um, I've been so blessed and fortunate over the years to to harvest turkeys in a lot of different states. I'm I'm not really uh, chasing, you know, trying to kill a turkey in every state where it's legal. I've uh, I've killed Goulds turkeys. I've I've killed Eastern Marion. I've killed all the species of turkeys uh, that are out there, other than the oscillated, which I have zero interest in doing. Uh, to me, it's just it may be a species of turkey, but it's something that I just. I've heard too many hunts, uh, you know, or too many stories of hunts and experiences, and it's just not not what I am. Um, just to kind of tell you what my resume has been with, with turkey hunting, I, I have done work for several companies over the years in developing product. Um, I have been recognized for some of my work with youth at a national level 
uh, to try to uh, collaborate and bring people together uh, from the educational setting and, and bringing conservation and hunting into the classroom. There are people um, who have asked me to develop and, and write curriculum uh, and collaborate with, with multiple people and businesses to try to bring things together to figure out maybe where the shortfalls are. So I have, uh, I have tried to stay very humble and um, I have enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, people ask me all the time, is turkey hunting your favorite thing? It is when duck season and deer season and whatever other season isn't in. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm aggressive with all of them. And uh, I, I take them all very serious. And, and uh, fortunately I can speak to this topic on turkeys. I, I know what it's like to, to have easy field birds to pattern to hunt. And I know what it's like to absolutely get your rear end handed to you on a piece of public land. And uh, I mean, I, I know what it's like to have turkeys come running to you from 300 yards away with a decoy. And I know that there's turkeys that I've killed that if I would ever touch the call, I would have never killed them. And um, one of the biggest issues that, that I see uh, is people build their turkey hunter resume, you could say, is everybody wants to write the book about what is turkey hunting or, you know, what's the best style of turkey hunting or, oh, you're not a turkey hunter if you hunt this way or that way. Look, you're looking at a, uh, you're looking at a species of bird that you start hunting in March and you can hunt it all the way up into the northeast or the northern states up until June. So reaping, if it's a safety issue, it probably doesn't need to be done. Uh, setting over the top of decoys, it's a, it's a personal preference. Using a friction call or a mouth call or a wing bone call, whether you use TSS or lead, whether you use a blind or build a build a natural ground blind or just you run and gun or whether you deer hunt turkeys. Um, I, I, I do see as I develop as a hunter and the roles that I play in the industry and in the collaboration projects that uh, we divide ourselves as hunters. And, uh, and I do not like that. So when you ask yeah. me about the opportunity to come on tonight, um, I hope that we can give people some tips and techniques but I hope I hope that we realize that we need to stop worrying so much about what other people are doing and we need to pat them on the back that they're getting out there and going. Yeah. Me and Dad had a whole episode about that last week. <laughs> Didn't we, Dad? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah dude, turkey hunters are uh, not one of the, not the worst by any means, but like one of the worst groups of people that like judge others on how they killed their turkeys. <laughs> You know, oh, that's everywhere. everywhere in hunting. I mean, you get hunters, oh, yeah. crossbows, and uh, just yeah, nuts. absolutely. Yeah, yeah I've, but, I've, heard uh, turkey, I've heard turkey hunters talk about uh, you know, the, the fanning or reaping, you know, that should be illegal. And, and if you do that, that's not turkey hunting. And same with the ground blinds or um, shotgun, yeah. like TSS stuff. And it's like, man, yeah, I get a lot of, kind of, of, of about my uh, style of uh, running gun. Because I like going after them and uh, spotting birds and circling around and cutting them off. And uh, I just enjoy that, trying to watch them from a distance, see what they're doing and move in on them. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but uh, that's what I enjoy. And a lot of people uh, tout that as dangerous. But, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, if you know what you're doing, you know if you're hunting a bird. And it's not like I'm going and walking up on it and shooting it. I'm still letting it come to me. Yeah, no doubt. I had a conversation with a gentleman today. We're on the Hoosier National Forest, and and he was uh, he was asking me why I invited him to come. And uh, besides of what he does for his professional work, and I said, 
there are private farms in Indiana that I could go hunt tomorrow morning and stick a decoy out and a bird would run 300 yards across the field and I would shoot it. I would be done by 10 o'clock unless I miss. But then I also know that there's a lot of places that I can park my truck and I really don't necessarily want to know where the bird is at tonight. I want to get up in the morning and stand at the end of that, that gate on that trailhead and decide which direction I'm going to go because that it brings me back to how I learned how to turkey hunt. And uh, what I'm getting at is as I've developed and, and people ask you, you know, what is your resume or what's your background as a turkey hunter? Man, I was, I mean, I was a little teenage kid bouncing around this ridge, that ridge, this bottom, that bottom. And I was the best trespasser in the world. But here's the deal. I wasn't breaking the law. Nobody cared. Like if you ran into another hunter in the woods, they ask if you've been seeing anything. <laughs> you know, have you found any mushrooms? Like, did you hear that bird gobble over there? And a lot of times when you would kill a bird, I would go back to my grandfather and my dad and I would have to tell them where I killed it to figure out who I killed it on. And then like, hey, you need to take that over there. They'd like to see it, you know, and, that, and that's really how it was. And this this deer leasing and, and out of state hunters and the competition and all this, it's, it's kind of taken away. So when I go to public land, even if it's overutilized or it's crowded, especially on the opener, um, I, I find myself coming back full circle to where I really like uh, you know, waiting for the owls to naturally start and seeing where the first bird's going to gobble. And I like standing there on the ridge and seeing if it's a hot bird or if there's going to be one even closer that gobbles. And, and I kind of laugh at this because I went through the stage of where I got burnt out on hunting public land. I got tired of getting my butt kicked, honestly, uh, when I could go over here and, and put numbers on the board and put birds on the tailgate. And uh, I got into those days of where we were putting down you know, big counts of birds through a season. Mm -hmm. And uh, no doubt about it, the people we were taking, they they really enjoyed it. And everything we did was legal, but we were putting a lot of turkeys in the back of trucks. And uh, now I find myself accepting the challenge if I need to hunt on a piece of big public ground for four or five days to fill a tag, um, I would rather do that than to go shoot one in my turkey season be 30 minutes on a private agriculture field. Yeah. And... Um, so how do you how do you sum that up in a resume or a, a podcast interview? You you can't. You, you know just... what? Uh, when when you when you're talking about your turkey hunts, it reminds me of something. When you look back at your uh, your birds, you probably got a lot of a lot probably a lot more birds off of private farms and stuff because of when you started, yeah. when you you absolutely. But when you look back, and and I do this a lot, I, I really analyze my past kills and stuff, and uh, it helps me figure out where I should be. But when you look back, which birds do you remember the most? I remember those. I remember the birds I didn't kill the most. The ones that <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah, rattled the, the timber. Now, yeah. how were they killed? And what were you doing? Yeah. And why were they special? Yeah. And that's what you're really chasing. So if you go absolutely. out for the kill and you're going out and sitting on a field because you know you're going to get a bird, you're not going to be satisfied if you're the kind of guy who really got the enjoyment out of going through a woods and finding that bird yep. and then hunting them down, whether you got them or not, that's your enjoyment. And I can see that in, in, in here in, in what you're talking about, just like oh, yeah. mine it, is, is going after them and, and hunting them, but there's, there's a different kinds of enjoyment. Like tomorrow morning, I'm going to go do the same thing I did last year. I'm going to sit in the blind right where me and Dave sat opening, opening day of Turkey many years where I would just film him hunting because I enjoyed sitting with him and I feel like I'm sitting with him again. And that's why yeah. I'm going to do that. You know? Yeah. 
we, we, we each get our own enjoyment out of it for some reason or another. Yeah, no doubt about it. I just, I recently lost my dad two weeks ago and uh, actually went and, and filled both my Kentucky tags and, and my dad's spots. And what was crazy about that is uh, those are spots that, you know, as you know, father and son uh, or, you know, your hunting buddies, I mean, think about all the times that you go back and forth. Like, I think I should hang in this stand, or I think I should hunt here. No, you should do this and do that. You know, we go back and forth. It's just constructive criticism. And uh, like, I had to laugh because where my dad sits up, I always felt like the birds would hang up behind him. And so I sit up on the other side, basically where he would, you know, that the birds come straight to me. And I can't tell you how many days on, on opening day that he would, he would hunt, but man, those birds hung up behind me, you know? And so it's, it's like that's what Dan's talking about. It there is a lot of special things. Uh, you do look at your tactics and your techniques, and and uh, like I said, you're talking to a guy that has all the respect in the world for turkeys. Um, I could probably be diagnosed as bipolar if I went to the doctor because uh, it used to be that I took box fans and hair dryers and dried out my turkeys to make them look pretty when I killed them on rainy days, and uh, <laughs> now I realize that you can kill turkeys on rainy days, but I leave my vest in the truck because it's not worth drying everything out for three hours. And, uh, and I realize and understand that if I'm going to go kill a turkey in the rain, that, uh, it's definitely not going to be my Instagram or social media, you know, picture of the year that I get out of that, that wet rat that it's going to look like, you know, but, uh, but, you know, I still have amazing hunts in the rain. It's just as I've developed and, and I went through these challenges and, and these checklists of things that I had to do for companies as I work for them, you know, I had to have this image and this had to be in the background. And, and you know, there was days that I, I'm, I'm just I'm just speaking to you truthful. Like I had to basically send my turkeys to the beauty salon to make them look pretty for a picture. And that's and uh, and and, and I, I'm reflecting what Dan's saying. I, I reflect all the time. And uh, I, I think I think turkey hunting is uh, is just something that's just going to have to take a lot of diversity and a lot of acceptance to understand that. Not everybody's going to hunt fields. Not everybody's going to hunt timber. Not everybody's going to use a shotgun. Not everybody's going to use decoys. But in the end, uh, it, it seems like it's a bird that everybody really likes to enjoy to hunt. And and I would say that it's allowed people to um, probably, I would say that, that most people, other than small game, I would say that, that turkey hunting is probably the number one way that people start doing their out-of-state hunts and learn how to travel to hunt. It's probably also the uh, number one way you bring non-hunters into hunting because it's a uh, it's an easy hunt. It's better weather, and uh, generally they have more success. And when they have success, they like what they do. They come back rather than putting some kid or new hunter or um, young woman who wants to get into hunting who doesn't have a mentor in a tree stand and have her stare at darkness and not see nothing yeah. forever where you can go out to turkey yeah. blind and, you know just sit back and you hear the gobbles coming and stuff and it's exciting to a new hunter so it really gets people yeah. involved in the sport too no doubt there's a whole lot of people that will uh you know and, and I'll, I'll hunt them and use different tactics there's a whole lot of people that don't understand how much work it is to hunt with elders handicapped disabled and youth uh it is a tremendous amount of work and uh that the other thing too not taking anything away from the turkey or turkey hunting um i i will advocate that the turkey is a lot easier species of game to put people in success on fulfilling a tag uh, and a lot cheaper than i think than introducing them to, to trophy deer hunting or you know trying to kill kill a buck or or what have you so 
um, that shotgun will fit a whole lot of people where that bow may be more specific, you know, and, and, uh, it just works. So, uh, it just works. I don't, and I don't know anybody that just turkey hunts either. You know, most turkey hunters deer hunt, they duck hunt, they, they, they trap, they fish. And, uh, I, I think most turkey hunters in general are, are all around good outdoors men and women. So your consistent turkey hunters are very good. They're good at frog gigging. They're good at fishing. They're good at killing deer. They're, they raise a garden. I mean, there, there's there's yeah. a pattern and, and some characteristics with consistent killers in the turkey woods. So. Yeah. You want to get into some turkey tactics now for a little bit? Um, yeah. We've kind of BS about uh, just, you know, turkey up and stuff. Yeah. Um, one, one tactic that's really popular to debate and talk about right now is I guess we should talk a little bit about the, the whole reaping aspect and, and the fan. Um, I, uh, I don't want to necessarily get into talking about how to do it. I, I would like to utilize the time that you've given me as being a guest on the show to let people know that it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time. And, yeah. um, people need to realize that, uh, we don't go out and deer hunt and expect to kill a big giant deer each time that we go out. And, uh, we wouldn't. I mean, we wouldn't necessarily jump out of the tree stand and go chase a buck, you know. Um, and so I wonder sometimes with these tactics why people are wanting to be so aggressive with raising a fan and going over a hill uh, versus just uh, maybe coming back another day or having a different setup. As far as reaping itself, I've done it. I'll do it. Uh, but there's a time and a place for it. Uh, I'm not I'm not real keen and and uh, supportive of that being the only tactic that some of these younger hunters have learned and used to, to hunt turkeys um but the number one tactic or point that i can give you um and i think both of you will agree and i respect both of you very much <clears throat> people forget to learn the species um they forget woodsmanship they forget scouting they forget learning the weather they forget learning the reproduction cycle and um the the thing that i have seen as far as tactics with turkey hunting uh, and a lot of other species of hunting is people are they think that the gear is the most important thing at first instead of understanding that most of us like myself included the reason that people provide dan infold or josh or scott cronin whatever with gear it's because we were consistent for a long time. And a lot of people will use people like us as a way to market or promote a product. And it really wasn't that product that got us where we're at. It was the fact that we were students. You know, I'm a teacher and we were students of that species and we learned the landscape. We learned the terrain. We learned how to adapt and we remembered stuff. And so when people start asking me about, you know, what is it? What tactic? What decoy do you use? What call do you use? And and I'll tell you, 99% of the time, it really won't matter what call or what decoy or what camouflage or what shell or what gauge gun I have. Being in turkeys, most of the time, is just like killing big whitetails. It's about knowing when to strike and what tactic to use. So I thought about this today. I was actually walking down a national uh, forest road. U.S. Forest Service agent was there. And uh, he's not a turkey hunter. And he was, we were talking about controlled burns on the, the forest and what they can do to increase wildflowers. And I was working and, um, I, he, but 
I, I said, you know, these deer hunters, they, they get up in a stand and you were talking about the ones that you remember deer that I have called up, rattled up or grunted up. I remember those a lot. And not every deer is going to come to a grunt call. Not every deer is going to come to a rattle. Not every deer is going to come to a drag wreck. And I think that's why when we talk about tactics on turkeys, um, the, are we going to talk about tactics of just putting dead birds in the back of the truck? Or are we going to talk about tactics of killing birds in a swamp bottom or on a ridge? Because when we look at hunting turkeys, there's a whole lot of us that hunt turkeys that have shot birds and killed birds and tagged them and put them in the truck that didn't respond to a call at all. What killed them was the fact that we were woodsmen and, and we used the terrain and we used our knowledge of the species. Um, I hear so many people that are into turkey hunting that get frustrated because, well, they're not gobbling. Well, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> I, I've never seen a bird just start gobbling and gobble until the sun goes down, right? Some birds gobble more than others. Um, but birds just don't gobble nonstop. And, and, I, and I hate when it comes to tactics and, you know, if someone's paying me or I, they're just asking me to volunteer my time or go somewhere, you talk to people, it doesn't matter what their age, what their race, what their religion, they just think birds are supposed to be gobbling all the time. Well, if that's your tactic that you're going to hunt turkeys when they're gobbling or gobbling good, there's a whole lot of turkeys that gobble really good. And they still don't come down to the gun range or archery range to be shot. Um, so stop relying on your tactic to be calling that, that would be something that people need to listen to. Um, there's times that calling changes the game, but overall, and, and this will be very debated and I'll just have to agree to disagree with my friends that listen and the people that don't know me calling is the most overrated part of turkey hunting that there is. In my opinion, what the most important part of turkey hunting is, is scouting and understanding mm -hmm. the birds and understanding the breeding because when when you find where the birds want to be or you know the direction and you're in front of the birds you can call to them all you want all you want but people got to realize and understand you want to talk about tactics i can call with the best of any of them i don't have to go up and be a grand national calling champion i don't i don't want to be because that's not how i call when i hunt mm -hmm. but i can tell you this much there's times that it doesn't matter who you are you can sound like the sexiest dirtiest sluttiest hen in the woods and he's not coming. And then mm -hmm. you can use a Jake decoy and he'll run a thousand yards to you. So tactics need to be looked at. Are you trying to have, wh what's the quality of the hunt do you want? Do you want to kill a deer with a recurve? Or do you want to kill a deer with a crossbow? Do you want to kill a turkey coming to the shotguns on a hardwood ridge? Or do you just want to kill one out in the cornfield? Um, tactics need to be kind of almost like an objective, a belief and a go. Before you go to the woods, you may want to ask yourself, you know, do I want to try to call this turkey in without a decoy and kill it? Do I want to try to get close enough to this turkey that I don't even have to use a call to kill it? Um, do I want to spend more time scouting versus more time going around? Uh, it's kind of like blinds. A lot of people want to talk about tactics with blinds. Like, oh, I hate hunting from the ground blind. I hate deer hunting turkeys. Well, let me tell you something. You're not deer hunting turkeys. You scouted your turkeys. You're sitting down before they get there. You've done the work. That's success. That's hard work and that's dedication. People talk about deer hunting turkeys. I'd hate that tactic. I don't want to deer hunt turkeys. Let me tell you something. The most consistent people that kill turkeys in multiple states on short time periods, they're covering a lot of ground and they're doing a lot, they're doing a lot of scouting. A lot. And and they're finding out where these birds are at and where they're frequent because it's just I killed a bird Monday morning before a meeting that I had in Middle Tennessee. 
with state game agencies. And I killed that bird on Monday morning, not because I'm a phenomenal turkey hunter. It's because of the fact that I gave part of my harvest to the landowner from a bird that I killed an hour away. And he said, man, I forgot to call you. I've seen the first turkeys on the farm this spring. I've seen them this morning. And I said, great. Where'd you see them at? All down by the swamp. When you come to get one of them? I said, tomorrow morning. You know, so even though I didn't hunt on his land, my tactic was still to be a good sportsman. And I gave him a turkey breast and he let me know that he had seen two gobblers down in his bottom. That's the best data that I can get. And when you and Dan and me and others, we travel to hunt, why would you not talk to a landowner? Stop, stop being so cool that you can't ask questions. The hardest part of my, of my job and my career in the outdoor industry selling product is the fact that men don't like to ask other men questions or show that they don't know something or they're, they're incompetent. That's a tactic. You got to yeah. start asking questions, ask these things that we read in old magazines and books by all these legends. Ask, talk to the, I talked to the mailman the other day. I did ask him where he was seeing birds. You know, I'm not seeing as many birds, but I always see birds down here. And he, he, he gave me the name of the road. I rolled down there. I found some birds. Guess what? I knocked on the door. I got permission to hunt. I had a turkey dead in two hours from the time that I talked to the, to the postal service worker. Uh, that's a tactic. All of us want to focus on tactics and gear. I will tell you this. Um, I will tell you that there are more of us that have more gear than what we need than we have time to go hunt. There's not a single one of us that don't have an extra this, an extra that, didn't like this, didn't like that, got this free, got this at a discount, whatever. We have more gear than we need. Mm-hmm. But, but the tactic that people are not utilizing the most is diversity with scouting and understanding that, you know, they need to get out there and they need to be very open-minded. A lot of times in deer hunting and turkey hunting both, we pre-write the script in our brain instead of realizing that we need to understand the species. We think this looks good. We think this is a pinch point. We think this is a strut zone. We think a lot. Well, God and Mother Nature, those animals know a lot. And they know when they're being hunted. And that's another thing that you got to understand, too. I, I have traveled and hunted enough, and others have, too. I've seen birds that will run to a call and gobble a lot or come in or whatever. But I've also seen birds that have been pressured so much and watched them through binoculars and spotting scopes that when you call, they go straight to the cover. Mm-hmm. So your tactic of running and gunning or your tactic of calling or your tactic of aggressive cutting, it may not work, and it may change. Um People need to understand their tactics need to change as the weather changes. People need to understand that their tactics need to change as the the, the reproduction cycle moves more forward. Um, what happened or what worked yesterday probably won't work today because that turkey's dead. And now you're off to find another one. And uh, there's a lot of things that have been said about turkeys. Like the most predictable thing about turkeys is that turkeys are unpredictable. And they are. And, and uh, a person like myself who advocates and loves the turkey so much, especially just the whole aspect of all of it, there's times that I shoot turkeys and I will just say, that turkey was dumb. You know, that's just a dumb turkey. And then there's other times that I shoot turkeys and it's like, it's, I swear I felt like I built, dealt with a warrior. I'm like, my God, that was, I mean, that was a grind. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and here's the thing. You, you want to talk about tactics? Think about, oh, I, I think that's a Jake gobble. Oh, it sounds like a two-year-old. Man, 
I had a bird, uh, when was it? Sunday, gobbled nonstop. nonstop. Had almost two inch spurs. Killed a two-year-old the next day, didn't even gobble. Went in silent, paused, snuck right in and got shot. That two-year-old bird had a huge beard, huge beard, little bitty tiny spurs. I mean, I mean, this this nubs for spurs, okay? And then um, that 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 big that big gobbler, the old gobbler, he weighed twenty-five pounds and some change. Had those big spurs. Had a little bitty short beard, like six inches. Not beard right, just six inches. You know, just big and fat. And so, if I was going to go off of tactics. You know, I, I probably could have called more, done this, done that, whatever. We we assume too much is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. we listen to, to too many people. Like, no one needs to listen to you, me, or Dan and say, well, because Scott Cronin or Dan or Josh said that, you, I need to try that. You, and, and we need to ease in this stuff. It, it's kind of – turkey hunting is a lot like school teaching. I can I can be really strict to start off and, and get respect from my kids. And, and once I get that respect from my kids, it, then we can start to move forward. But I can't go into a deer hunt or a turkey hunt sloppy and then try to clean it up. It just doesn't work. And and these tactics are the same way. You can't start off calling like really loud and like, well, I'm just going to tone it down now. I mean, you you've got to you've got to start putting things together, um, tactics, strategies, tips. I mean, you, you would be amazed at how many people are our age or older that don't know that the sun still rises in the east every morning, and they'll put the sun in their face. That's a tactic. Okay. There's so many people that don't realize and understand that, that, yes, camouflage works, but you still need to stay still. But if a turkey is raising his head up all the time to gain an advantage of height, then you as a hunter need to understand that that six inch or two foot or eight foot rise in the field or the woods or the terrain, that is your advantage too, to watch that turkey and to see those birds coming. Um, We've got to understand that your tactic may be that you're going to sneak in and get tight to cover instead of just putting your back against a tree because after you turkey hunt long enough, you realize that those three or four jakes or those three or four hens that get there before the gobbler get there, they'll burn your hunt. That gobbler is like a big dumb buck sometimes. Those birds will run off and he'll be sitting there looking like, what's going on? You can yelp him right up. But those jakes or hens can almost burn you. So if people want to know what tactics are out there or, or, or what to do with their turkey hunting, just start paying attention to what you're doing. Start paying attention to what other people are doing and, and go into it with a lot of common sense and study the species and, and don't, don't push it. Like stop, stop just relying on that tail fan. Stop just relying on aggressive calling. Stop just relying on TSS. Stop just relying on pattern your gun and learn the species and learn the terrain. You should be scouting turkeys as much or more than you're hunting. And to be real honest with you, if if you know, I, if I can if I can be on a soapbox about something for just a minute, it it's sometimes your your best turkey hunters are looked at by how many birds they're killing, but no one ever looks at how much time they're putting in the scout and how much time they're in the field. And that's a huge tactic that's overlooked. It's 365 days a year, somehow, some way. He he, uh, he does a uh, comes at turkey hunting all like uh, you do with uh, Dan with deer hunting. It sounds like <laughs> not that you don't do that with deer too, Scott. But 
you know when yeah, you were uh, talking say, about we can, uh, we can put them tactics, uh, a couple of things you said reminded me of something that uh, um, all the birds we've killed over the years around here, which, you know, between our group, we've killed a lot. Um, all the really big birds, the real old ones, mm-hmm. never come in uh, goblin. They don't come to calls. They would always hang up when we put uh, decoys out. We'd kill mm-hmm. lots of birds with the calling. But they'd be the young birds, mm-hmm. the two-year-olds and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the real big ones all came from, um, eventually, we just went set up where they move and just didn't make any noise and let them come to us. Yeah. You know, it's uh, probably, whether it was working in uh, retail stores, being a guest, or going to speak at conventions or seminars or whatever, uh, probably the number one thing that I've been asked over the years is uh, how do I blow a diaphragm call? Mm-hmm. And um, I've never mastered so, that. <laughs> no, and it, you know, it, it's really funny because uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the, the turkey call company that I get to represent and get to be part of, but you know, I can buy 15 different cuts on their call and 14 of them will be bad and one of them will sound good. But uh, sometimes just, you know, trying to, to, you know, cut up a little bit with people, I'll say, all right, put it in your mouth, all right, and they will, and I'm like, all right, no, don't blow on it, and they'll be like, what do you mean? I, I mean, it's supposed to have air go across the reeds. I'm like, sometimes the best way to use a diaphragm call is just not to call, yeah. and uh, and then I'll pick up a friction call or a box call, and and I'll hand it to them. And I'm like, all right, now yelp on this, okay? And then uh, I'll say, all right, now yelp on your diaphragm call. It's like, all right, which one sounds like the dog that's dying over in the ditch, got hit by the car, and which one sounds like a turkey, you know? And that's a, that's a tactic, too, is just, you know, if you're carrying a turkey vest, it's 45 pounds to the woods because that's what you've seen back in, you know, the day when you watched VHS or DVD videos. Um, don't do that. If you just have one call that you sound really good on, just take it. And if you have a call that you sound really bad on, maybe take it and just try it. And it goes back to that tactic. You tried it. Maybe it worked. Maybe it doesn't work. Um, what, I, what I want people to understand that are the viewers is that you need to perfect what you do. Like you're going to perfect how you hang your stand. You need to perfect how you use a call. You need to perfect where you put your decoys. You need to perfect how you hide yourself. And just constantly keep working on it. But, but stop relying on calling is your number one tactic to kill turkeys and if you are going to call try to call and sound realistic and and use what you're comfortable with and use something that's uh that's going to sound like a like a hen turkey or or a young jake or or what have you don't don't just go out there and call a whole lot because you think that you're going to make sounds and the turkey's going to walk right to you Yeah, that's something that I've uh, learned over the last couple of years, and I've been more successful turkey hunting. Um, took me a while, though. <laughs> yeah, number number one thing people say when they hunt with me is, uh, you know, a lot of times we'll go get breakfast or we'll eat at the tailgate or whatever, and you know we'll kind of we'll kind of reflect or just talk about things. And a lot of times people will start to open up. You know, they they uh, like, well, I figured you would have called more. Or I figured you would have done this, or I figured you would have done that. And I'll ask them, like, if you were hunting by yourself, what would you do? Oh, I'd have called more. I'd have done this. And, that's like, and how many how many turkeys are you bringing back to your truck? You know, and, and they're just like, and they get it. They they realize that they have relied too much on, on hunting videos. And 
tactics because I'll, I'll be the first to tell you there's a whole lot of people in this this country that get to go and hunt the most elite best turkey hunting spots that dirt has to offer in the united states and you can't do nothing wrong in those places i mean there are places where turkeys are basically a pest okay and they're very populated and it doesn't take a whole lot of tactic and certain species are just easier to kill than others i, I know everybody wants to talk about the grand slam and the white tips and the bronze tips and I, at the end of the day there is there's a lot of debate on what species is is hardest to kill um or which one does this or that um just just take and understand and realize that a lot of good turkey hunters especially from the south and, and that's kind of where the, the heritage and the tradition is a lot of them can travel in three or four days and go somewhere and hunt birds in another state a different terrain whatever another species and two or three guys can get in the truck and they can go kill six, seven, eight, nine toms and come back home and be at work on Monday after a few days off. And a lot of those same hunters can barely scratch one or two birds off the public ground that they hunt on at home in Mississippi, Arkansas, Kentucky, or Indiana, wherever, you know. So, uh, you know, let let your tactics develop and change as, as, you, as you start to understand the sport and the species. Scott, I was going to ask you just – so we can like put a scenario together like what right now you're sitting in southern indiana like actually two hours south of me you're you're pretty far south in indiana yes sir um like you mentioned earlier about you know we can hunt these birds all throughout the the spring essentially different months different you know uh different times in their breeding cycles like tomorrow morning like right now what is what are you going to do and what do you see um the birds right now in indiana doing Okay, so uh, on a normal night, um, I feel like I would have I would have roosted a bird. Uh, I have some history with the area and the terrain that I'm going to go in. So uh, let's just talk about it. If we weren't doing this podcast, yeah. If Sorry. I if I if I would have had no, no, that's no, it's fine because it's <laughs> it's uh, it's some it's some of what we're going to talk about too on the program is uh, but the the birds I would want to know at least kind of where their general roost site is and. Some people are going to have places where birds roost on a regular basis, and sometimes birds just move around on their roost. Um, but I would want to try to at least figure out where the turkeys were at and where they roosted the evening before and then come up with a tactic. But let's talk about um, actually tomorrow morning when the bird gobbles, whether I did roost it or I didn't roost the bird. I'm going to go into an area, first of all, that I think that there's going to be turkeys. Okay. That's, I'm, I'm going to the area that I think birds will be. Even though a lot of people will tell you that you want to try to get close to the roost site and you want to do this little soft tree up and you want to do this little fly down and you want to do, that's all fine and good. You, we'll talk about that on another program. I'm, I want to help the people because you're asking because we want to see the viewers have more success. Mm-hmm. Before I enter the woods, I've made my mind up that I'm going to hunt turkeys, okay? And and my goal is to successfully kill one. I'm going to listen for that bird and hopefully, hopefully, at least the first hour that I'm there, I at least have a pretty good idea of where I am going to at least be set up and be in front of the turkeys so if you ask me what my strategies or my tactics are when i turkey hunt 
yes, you can be really aggressive and try to get close to the roost and call them from the roost and come straight to the gun barrel and have an epic roost hunt. But I, I know that the odds are in my favor in the terrains that I hunt and most other people hunt that I'm going to be better off to be in front of the bird where they're going to go and spend the majority of their morning, at least the first hour or two, once they get done with that first 20 or 30 minutes of gathering up, you know, coming down off of the roost. And most of the time that's going to be in strut zones or fields or, or what have you. I like to set up on turkeys knowing that I'm going to be at some type of advantage to see them. I don't, and I, I get it, you know, I understand and, and I do it too. You want to terrain if you're not using decoys where, you know, the bird's coming to look for you. But I want to know that I'm at least somewhat in the path of the bird and I'm not going to overcall the turkey. I'm actually, I'm going to try to let the crows and the owls and and the hens or whatever it is that's going off. Maybe it's some old cow that's bellering down in, you know, a pasture. Uh, I really don't want to start calling to that turkey until I know that I'm I'm in a position and set up to where I can really kill him. And that's my locator calls and my, my turkey vocalization. Um, from that point forward, uh, over the years, it's it's kind of like whitetail hunting, and that is that there's there's some days that the conditions aren't just a hundred percent right, but you also know that if you just wait on your trail camera picture, that it's going to be too late. Well, turkeys are kind of the same way. There, whether we like it or not, turkey hunting is viewed and looked at as it's supposed to be a running gun aggressive sport, and it can be. There's no doubt about it, but my tactic in the mornings honestly is going to be up until about eight o'clock you know 7 30 that first hour and a half of daylight I'm, I'm going to be sitting where i think the turkeys are naturally going to gravitate to where i'm going to use my more aggressive tactics and start looking at visuals and finding birds and calling birds is going to be somewhere around that 10 o'clock and in the day and then and my apis birds or i heard those birds earlier that morning and maybe i didn't have success with them and uh, in the end my my goal is not to put enough pressure on the birds to where if i didn't have a successful hunt that i can go back and hunt them the next day or the next weekend or the next week <coughs> got it okay um You've overloaded me with turkey information, Scott. I'm I'm a, I'm a far from an expert, so <laughs> I got a million things running through my mind. Um, we have a bunch of questions uh, about turkey hunting, and I was going to mention before we get into anything else. If you guys have questions for Scott, you guys are leaving some good the thing is good good questions in the comments. Just keep leaving them there, and I'll get to them at the end here. Um, Dan, you got any anything else about turkey hunting? We want to talk about another topic tonight too for just a little bit. No, I'm good. I think we, what about you, Scott? Is there anything we missed? I think you gave us a real good rundown of like tactics or, or, uh, not focusing on a certain tactic and becoming a better woodsman. And that was just a great, uh Oh, we lost Scott. We'll see if he gets back on here. Um, I swore that was going to happen there at the end. He started cutting out a lot. Yeah. Um, Anyway, you guys, uh, you guys had a lot more in common turkey hunting than what I thought you two would, Dan. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Scott would be more of a, uh, uh, like a, I'm going to call it purist, but like a, I don't know, like a guy that is very into the, the tactics and the, 
And the thing is really good to hear him, a guy that's been turkey hunting and really involved in the turkey hunting industry, you know? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything he said. Yeah. Can you hear us now, Scott? There he is. I, I am, man. I'm getting some of that great National Force cell phone reception. Service, wife, I know. I guess. It's yeah. probably a miracle that we made so, it this far. Yeah. Ran off to check a roost quick or something. Yeah, it, it, you thought you heard a gobble or something. It, it, it is. I, so, yeah, actually, oh, I, I was scouting on a part of the forest today that uh, uh, some of the county road workers, they, they were like, uh, they were asking what I was doing and and I said, well, I would do this, but I'm getting ready to go back. I'm like, yeah, we, I, I know that in fault and Josh guy, they were, they were hunting, you know, over here oh, nice. at one point in time, I believe. And so, uh, yeah, y'all, y'all got some fans over here in this area for sure. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not sure what I missed when it went off there and it goes back to, to bragging on you. Uh, it, uh, and we'll, we'll develop and go further, but talking about tactics, um, I want to brag on Dan for, for a, a good minute and uh oh, God. that is uh no and this is this is serious you know uh, i'm just joking no it's it uh, well it, <clears throat> i respect you enough that uh that you need to hear it too um there's been a big development in social media in the last four to five years huge development and um there there are so many people that are willing to give you their time their energy and their effort for free um, or for a bare minimum cost um, if anything uh, it's not like dan and i went to high school together we're not old old high school buddies or nothing but there's been times that i guarantee you dan and Fault's lost money to help the sport of hunting and I guarantee you there's been a time that Josh has lost money and time and a meal with his family uh, to help and grow the sport of hunting. When we, when we talk about these tactics, um, it is, it is so important. The, the heritage, the tactics, the sport itself, it's so important to understand the heritage and the tradition of hunting itself too. And it's very important that you understand that you need to be a student of the game. You need to be a student of the species and um, not necessarily go with the latest and the greatest fad or the latest and greatest product because i'll tell you this turkey hunting and deer hunting is going to be around a whole lot longer than a certain camouflage pattern or a certain broadhead or a certain shotgun shell and um, you know our ancestors killed these things with with wing bones you know and 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 different parts of, of twigs and sticks and rocks and stones so um we we need to remember how long this sport has been around and we need to learn from all of the youtube and and media and we need to compliment guys like dan and yourself josh that are not out there to just uh, you know create content to create income you're out there because you passionately care about the sport and and what it means so hunting and fishing used to be something that us kids did in the country to entertain ourselves when all the work was over and uh, we've we've seen honey uh, kind of come into the spotlight of the economic and financial role of uh, how it can impact the economy and not just in retail also with a lot of our game and fish agencies and that's a whole nother subject but um, we we do need to remember that 
one major tactic is that we we grow as a community and as a group and as outdoorsmen and women and and fight for our hunting and fishing and conservation and and the lands that we have to hunt and fish on private or public it's it's really important so don't don't let your guard down that's what i'm getting at it's we're we're fighting more and more every day and and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit but we're fighting more and more every day to even just teach hunting in the classroom and it's yeah. you know how, how you learn how to hunt is is a big impact on guys like yourself and dan infaults and you know the hunting public and and all all of those folks i, I support all of you uh, the differences and the similarities that you have but uh, if you're a young person or you're a middle-aged person and you can't figure out how to deer hunt or turkey hunt right now you're an idiot but there's more information out there than ever before i'm serious yeah. I mean, there, you don't have to go to the courthouse. You don't, you don't have to, you don't have to go down to the local archery shop and just trust Bubba. I mean, you can, you can have the greatest arrow tuner, the greatest turkey collar in the world on a YouTube video. And if you didn't get it the first time, you can hit rewind and watch it again. And I can't tell you how many yeah. seminars I went to and as a young kid and looked up to people like Dan Infault, Dan Fitzgerald, and others. And I try to remember, like, you know, what, what, what did they do or what was their tactic? I mean, I hope somebody takes something away tonight. Like I took away from Dan Fitzgerald using his, uh, his lock on stand platform as a, as a grill surface underneath a fire one time in one of his hunting videos, you know? So, uh, whatever tactics, whatever tactics you come up with, uh, you'll remember the ones that work and you'll, you'll always come back full circle on them and, and don't don't be afraid to learn and and uh, especially all the guys that are watching because i'd say you probably got a male driven audience you know drop your ego a little bit and ask a damn question and admit that you don't know something mm -hmm. you know i mean at, at some point in time you you don't stop learning you need to continuously learn and, and you need to remember that uh you know we're, we're doing this as a sport and to provide nutrition and game on the table not to mm -hmm. not to go out there and see who gets the, the biggest medal put on their chest no, well said, Scott. And that's what kind of, well, before I go any farther, we do have mostly males uh, watching, but our favorite uh, guest is, or our favorite fan is a, a female. Her name's Elizabeth. I don't know if yeah. Elizabeth is on tonight or not, but she she's uh, one of our, our biggest uh, supporters of the, of the show. Um, yeah, that kind of leads us into what we, uh, you kind of teed it up for me, Scott, about what we want to talk about next is, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went down to your your neck of the woods and helped out with a youth program, uh, an outreach program that you put on. Um, and I'm getting I'm finishing up a video about it now, so everybody will be able to to, um, to see that. And I was going to say too, if anybody wants to make some donations tonight, those donations will go straight to Scott's program that we're getting getting ready to talk about. So listen to to Scott's pitch pitch about this. It is a really cool program that needs to happen in more parts of the country. Um, but Dan, or, uh, Dan, Scott, you want to talk about uh, what we did a couple of weeks ago and kind of how that came about? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I've been a, I've been an instructor of, of firearms and hunter education for quite a while. And, and uh, the hunting education side of things, I started realizing uh, going through hunter education classes that the kids that needed hunter education the most were the kids that uh, already had their hunter education card. They they went through hunter education at five or six years old or seven or eight years old with their uncle or their dad or whoever, 
and dad took the test form dad got their card because they needed it for the legal requirement so i started changing my hunter education up several years ago and and try to be innovative in the fact that we needed to do not just hunter education but advanced hunter education and that led into bigger and broader things like the event that you went to um when we look at for example the sport of bowling we can go to a bowling alley and we can rent a set of shoes and we can rent you know the lane and they provide the ball and and you can't i don't know if you can really do that with honey if people think about it um you can go and try bowling for a little bit for 10 or 15 dollars i I know that me and you and others can talk about how we can go squirrel hunt with a 22 of our dad or our grandpa's or whatever and a handful of shells and have fun. But a lot of kids don't have that scenario. And we live in a country right now that absolutely has sick people in it. I mean, just mentally sick. And so anytime that you talk about firearms in schools, it's not a very popular topic. And in my job, to and serving my community is to not only educate our young people about how to safely utilize firearms in the field for hunting purposes but just to, to look in general about how important shooting sports is um, to let them understand how important uh, first responders are in rural areas whether that's where we ride our atvs or why it's important if you are going to go on a horseback ride or you're going to go out to the woods that you tell people where you're at on the first aid aspect of things. So when you put the video together, what people are going to see is um, I just I try to move around the country and I try to put on various programs to keep people from getting alpha gal or I try to explain to people why it is important that you know how to use and handle a firearm even if you're not a hunter and for example with that think about if your grandma or your grandpa dies and you go and you clean out their closet or you go and clean out a drawer and there's a revolver there's a shotgun there i mean you may need to know how to handle a firearm safely just on the aspect that you got to move your deceased grandmother's items out of the house or your grandfather what have you um people have pets and animals and children especially with me teaching agriculture education um if an animal needs to be put down instantly to be humane, a kid may need to know how to use a pistol or a rimfire rifle or a shotgun to put an animal out of its misery. We live in such a world today that we want to put so many screens and filters on things that it makes it really tough to teach what used to be just basic, normal, common sense and activities. Mm -hmm. So, what i do is is i just try to work through the school system and, and i realize that i do represent my district and 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 the department of education for the state but i'm i'm not doing anything special josh i'm just trying to remind people that hunter education used to be a normal thing that was taught in the classroom and a lot of these kids can go to school to college to play uh, a sport that can ruin their knees or their back or give them a concussion but there's also a lot of kids that can go to a trade school or have a lifelong passion or, uh, you know, have something that keeps them motivated and driven like shooting sports or hunting. And um, it, it's hard for people to understand how to put something like this together. But believe it or not, most of your state troopers, most of your first responders, uh, most of the people that make your real communities up are anglers and hunters. 
And so you tell them that you're wanting to put on a program that's teaching children how to hunt or how to fish, or you're trying to put on a program that makes people aware as an adult how they can safely shoot and handle a farm for shooting sports and for hunting. You'll have all the volunteers in the world, especially right now, because people understand, unfortunately, how misunderstood uh, and how misperceived firearms are in the hands of young people and just everyday American citizens. And so what we try to do is to incorporate it not only as hunting and not only as shooting sports, but my job at the end of the day, when a kid walks across that graduation stage is they should be employable. And my job as a school teacher is not to hand a kid a list of chapter questions or vocabulary words or a worksheet. My job is to prepare a kid to be a successful and self-sufficient American. And a lot of our careers that we quote unquote put so much value into, or people say that they support so much, our soldiers, our police officers, well, part of their skills and part of their training is to know how to operate and run a firearm safely. And so through curriculum and through teaching and education and doing it in a safe platform without getting politics involved, we can allow young people in schools to use and handle firearms safely where no death or injury occurs. And we can prove to this country that firearms do have their place in the woods and on the range and that we have greater and bigger problems to solve uh, other than controlling firearms. We need to control people and we need to we need to get people uh, conditioned that farms are going to be part of what we use in our everyday life uh, for sport. And we need to remind people that farms do protect us. I mean, they protect your child and your wife and they protect all of us. Um, you know, we we have careers that that need people to not only appreciate firearms, but also know how to thoroughly run them and utilize them if the time or the need arises. And it's no different to me than than allowing a kid to go and shadow a plumber or a doctor for a day. And I think it's good for these kids. No. Lost Scott again. <laughs> um, no, you got me. Yeah, you're I good. Had a, Go I ahead. Had a phone call coming in. Am I there? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're there. You're good. Keep going. Okay, but it it's just an yeah, yeah. It it's just so important that we expose these kids to opportunities. And uh, people ask me all the time. You were asking about you know why we do this event or why we we do these things. People ask me all the time. Why do I continue to to teach school with all the other opportunities that I've had out there. And uh, I'll be real bold with you about something. I didn't have a teacher like me. No one told me about all the different opportunities. No one told me about all the different careers. No one told me about the difference between being in a entrepreneurship situation or, or working for somebody else. And so, um, you know, all, all I'm trying to do is swing the bat for the good guys. That's, that's really all I'm trying to do. And, um, there's unfortunately, uh, not locally. Locally, I'm really supported, but nationally, man, there's too many hoops and and things to cut through and deal with when it comes to getting young people involved with shooting sports and and taking them hunting. I mean, at the end of the day, there's just as many. There's more people, honestly, that are trying to keep kids from doing it than are supporting kids to do it. And to me, it's it's uh, it's it's really worth taking the gloves off and fighting for. Yeah, 
Yep. It was, uh, I didn't think about it until you mentioned it a second ago, Scott, but uh, it was pretty crazy how, uh, when we got there, how many uh, like conservation officers and law enforcement um, people were there to, to help out. Um, I didn't, I didn't think about it uh, until you said that, but it was, there was a lot of that support around that event. It was pretty cool. How many people I mean, were there? Yeah, no doubt. Scott, how many people were end up being there? I mean, there was a pile I, of I had a little. Oh yeah. Um, uh, that, that particular event, we would, we were probably pushing right at 115 by the time that everybody filtered in and out. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I work, uh, I would say that I'm I'm probably working with close to uh, fifteen to nineteen hundred people a year, uh, and similar events. That was just one of them. Uh, not paid for it. Um, I think you got the shirt on, don't you, from that particular I do. event? Yeah. Is that what? Um, yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't see it, but yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. Like every every yeah, everybody thinks that like all the all the people that are on the back are throwing big money our way. Those, those people are are throwing product our way so that I can utilize it to, to showcase it and, uh, and, and talk to kids. And one of the things that, um, you didn't get to see is the event that I do with, with young people is, uh, that was just one part of what we work on, hopefully for four years that we have them in high school, hopefully we get them as a freshman and they get several of those events. But, um, I'm, I'm a big advocate about, uh, getting gear in the kids' hands that is good uh, because I look back at my years as a hunter and I looked at how I bought things based off popularity or, or fads. And I didn't really buy stuff because it was the best. And uh, I just try to show them a little bit about quality over quantity and uh, you know, just to, how to purchase and, and go through that, you know, whether they're going to buy a, a beef stand or beef stick, or if, you know, they're going to going to buy something that's going to rust on them and be twice as heavy. Uh, we can, we can we can teach kids a whole lot, not just shooting farms. We can teach them how to make a decision and how to manage their money. And I mean, you think about it over the years, the stuff that me, you, and Dan have bought. That if we would have bought what we wanted to begin with, we would have been a lot better off. But we thought it was too expensive, you know, right out of the yeah. gate. So yeah, and um, Scott, people can go on and buy the uh, merchandise, right? That you were talking about just a second ago, the website. Okay. Yeah, so I'll I'll give you the link and and they can buy it. That all those proceeds, uh, I think the shirts on the website. I want to say they're uh, twenty bucks. The hoodies are like thirty bucks, and so uh, the cost of living these days, it basically comes out to where we make just a few bucks, and a hundred percent of those proceeds go to the MCH Wildlife account at the high school, and that was the funds that were utilized to to put on the event that, that you got to come and see, because it doesn't take long to go through a few hundred dollars worth of uh, expense, putting uh, sandwiches and ammo. <laughs> I would say you, the, you, went, point, you probably you know, went like through we a, did, and we, we're not eating filet mignon. No, you, uh, uh, you probably went through a few hundred dollars every uh, 30 minutes. It seemed like with many, many of them kids were clicking it, two, two threes and shotgun shells and <laughs> It, it was a constant yeah. stream of shooting. Yeah, and, and 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 you know you know the best the best part about about it is, yeah, it really was, and it, and it it was good to see a lot of those officers become kids again for just a few seconds too. You know, yeah. it it just it comes full circle again of, 
you know, it, it brings back, it brings back what we learned as, as young people. I mean, think about all the days that we went through a brick of 22 shells and our parents told us not to shoot all of them in one day. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. So. <laughs> um, okay. I'll, uh, I'll link that um, website in the description for everybody. If they want to go grab a t-shirt from, from Scott. And like I said, if you guys make a donation, a couple of guys have, a couple people have uh, donated tonight, which we appreciate it, everybody. I'll make sure that all gets over to, to Scott here. Um, let's let's answer some turkey hunting questions before we hop off here, Scott, if that's all right with you. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Can you hear me now, Scott? Are you there? I, I got you. Yeah. For whatever reason, I'm having a little bit of tech difficulty, but I, I'm, I'm live here with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're good now. Let's answer some questions quick, Scott, before we hop off. Hey, here. can you see if everybody can turn their Wi Fi off on their phones that way? I've got their service down. There you yeah. go. You're sucking so, the phone out. Everybody's evening. Okay. All Are right. you good? What you got? All right. Steve had a question for you, Scott. Yeah. He says, uh, what stories or experiences have can you hear me now? <laughs> Are you there, yep, Scott? Okay. Steve had a question for you. He's asking, uh, what stories or experiences have you heard that uh, don't don't have you interested in going for the Osceola hunt? Oh yeah. I, no, is is our uh, is our technical difficulty shine through i'll read the question um honestly i believe that most of the birds are baited um i believe that uh it's more or less a hunt that money provides um, okay that just just to be real honest with you um i know that some people have done it and it has been a legit and total challenge okay uh, it may just be that when they're in an, another country. Um, uh, it just does it. I don't, it doesn't appeal to me to go to Texas and, and other States that allow baiting and shoot turkeys over corn either. I just, I really don't want to go and travel and put that much time, energy and expense into going and shooting something that's eating Milo seed, you know, it doesn't gobble. And, you know, it's just, uh, I've got too many friends that I trust that, uh, where I'm at in my point in time in life, uh, my, my daughter, my wife and, and myself, we, we've got other things to spend our money on that I would prioritize over, over yeah. doing a hunt like that. So I know it's going to piss people off, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just not my cup of tea. And, and these are people that I truly value and trust. Like they've gone and they, they didn't enjoy it either. So, uh, but you know, I, I'm sure we could talk about big games and African hunts too. I mean, there's people that go and absolutely love it. And there's other people that go that, uh, that, you know, they, they didn't enjoy the style of hunting. And so I just, all I can do is I need to try it, I guess, before I can knock it. I'm just saying I'm not appealed to do it right now. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I've, uh, I know I've, I've kind of heard the same rumblings about, about that species. I don't, I don't yeah. have any desire either. Um, not that, not because of that. I just don't, something I never thought about is doing something like that. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, man, you know, you got you got all those USDA fees and and the expense of getting there and back. I I uh, you know I am who I am and and I don't uh, I don't I don't know if I have uh, five grand laying around to go go shoot a bird. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Dan, you may be able to help with this one. Any tips on killing birds in swamp bottoms? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I would, uh, yeah. Uh, number one thing is, is uh, people need to know that turkeys will roost over water a lot. And uh, turkeys don't, sometimes turkeys don't travel real far in a swamp. Um, they they have they're happy they have everything that they need there the water is their security that's their shelter in a lot of ways their food source a lot of times will be from the vegetation and the trees there and uh, you know a lot of times in the swamp it's going to be as much about position and uh, knowing where that dry ground is and stop listening to all these tactics that turkeys won't cross water and creeks and rivers because they'll they'll cross it all the time they got up in that tree by flying up in that tree They'll fly that next little dry piece of land. And listen, turkeys will walk in inches of water like it's nothing. I, I don't know. Turkeys don't like water in general, but just because there's a couple inches of water up in some timber or in a swamp or something, don't let that rule out that that bird will not, you know, get around in that area. Man, they'll they'll, they'll spend their whole day with their toes wet, man. I mean, it's um, like we perceive and we assume too much as humans. And sometimes you just got to get in there and get your butt wet. Jacob was hunting with me uh, or hunting over here uh, this last week. He had the first season. And uh, I showed him one of my favorite spots. It's got uh, turkeys, swamp birds, basically. Uh, there's fields that are private adjacent to swamps, and you can hunt a little bit of woods up against the swamp. And he was in birds like crazy, and they were roosting out in the water, up in the trees, mm -hmm. and actually landing down in the water and going the other way. Yeah, no doubt. Turkeys are just like whitetails, and that is, uh, there's there's a there's a handful of us that aren't afraid to chase them no matter where they're at. Right. And uh, that that's that's some that's that's some legit advice. Uh, I'm going to tell you what keeps most people out of swamps of chasing turkeys. It's called the cottonmouth snake. That's that's God's honest truth. That yeah. people are more afraid of snakes than they are about getting their butt wet. They just don't like standing around like, well, I don't want. And mosquitoes and different things. I mean, let's just face it: a spring or summer swamp is not the best condition for, you know, your skin or or your snake bite survival. You know, um, yeah. It's uh, it's but swamps are very productive, and uh, those those turkeys deserve a they deserve a special pat on the back too. Swamp turkeys and hardwood turkeys are they're very unique. Okay, Richard, he asked, "How do you age a turkey?" How do I age a turkey? So how many candles oh, are on the Most of the time, I, I age a turkey by uh, cutting it into nugget-sized bites. <laughs> I soak it in cold beer and Kentucky Colonel in the refrigerator, and and I age it for about 30 minutes before I drop it in the hot peanut oil. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I do believe that spurs do help us determine age of turkeys when uh, terrain and living conditions do not have a tremendous impact on how the spur grows and the conditions that it has to go through to, to keep its length. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't age turkeys and, and something else about me is I, I don't measure my whitetails. Um, I, I just don't. And, uh, you know, I, I have 
I have uh, I have no desire ever in my life to uh, just focus on killing old turkeys. I just know that sometimes when they have an inch and three quarter spur, that they didn't make that last spring to now. And uh, mm -hmm. I just I just try to go off of the the general redneck rule that anything uh, you know around that half inch three quarter inch mark is probably a two year old bird, and anything above that is probably older than two years old and and uh, anything past an inch and a half, I've always given it credit to be over four. So that's just that's just how I roll. But yeah. I guess we need some like, type of genetic test or something, you yeah. know, age <laughs> testing for turkeys. Like you said, that's just a rule of thumb, though. There's all kinds of variables. Um, I heard a biologist get on a podcast and talk about aging turkeys, and he was said it's almost impossible to really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one of the things, uh, you know long as people listen i don't want to go too long but uh i would you know I, i'm a conservationist i mean there's no there's no doubt about it that uh if if you're going to kill as much stuff as we do and all three of us are killers at the end of the day uh, we mm -hmm. have to give back more than we take that's what's on that shirt um i i would uh i would encourage people to stop worrying so much about the length of their spurs and start worrying about the pound of their birds um the, the pound of their turkeys, they need to start recording that as much as the beard length and everything else. Our, our turkeys are sick in places. They really are. Our turkeys have got some parasite issues. Um, we're having some real habitat issues. We've got people that are turkey hunting the same farms. They've been turkey hunting for 25, 30 years. It, the timber's not been cut. Nothing's been done. It's just the same same partial ground. Um, some of some of the habitat issues that we look for, they do get better in time and some need to be reset with succession um so you know chalk it up however you want to as far as the age of the bird but any data that you can record on your turkey and it's legit data not something that you're guessing you know when that when that telecheck or that online app asks you how long your spur is by all means please take the time to get a flexible tape measure and make an accurate measurement on the beard and the spurs and the weights uh, for these biologists so that they can manage and, and protect the resource that we all love. All right. Um, Goomer22 asks, any tips for a first-time turkey bow hunter? So he's going to have to be on public land. Yeah. He doesn't scout him much. Yeah. Uh, buy <laughs> the biggest cutting broadhead that you can find, preferably a three-blade and uh, practice shooting in your uh, in your yard or whatever from a seated position and uh, the minute that you think the decoys are too close to the blind move them another yard closer uh, it's amazing with uh, bow hunting turkeys and and uh dan are you familiar with like brooks johnson back in the day when he invented double bull blinds and stuff like that i remember the um, when they first came out i don't remember the guy's name yeah yeah, well, Brooks is Brooks is one of those guys, and he's one of the two guys, and uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, back when all of the, you know, I mean, bow hunting from the ground with natural cover in your bow, I mean, we get it. That's a popular thing to do, too. But majority of people do utilize a blind to bow hunt. Uh, just in all honesty, uh, make sure that you're checking your pins and how they shoot at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards. Uh, take close shots. Uh, people ask me all the time why I don't bow hunt turkeys more. I've got uh, a pretty extensive list of turkeys killed with archery equipment. Just like I used to travel, there used to be states that had archery seasons before shotgun seasons. 
unfortunately, I can speak from experience that broadheads on turkeys are not always a great combination. So number one tip is please shoot the biggest uh, cut that you can and try to shoot a mechanical. Uh, just try to knock that turkey with everything you got and uh, don't roll out the headshot. You know, it's a, it's a very ethical shot. And uh, if you're a little bit low, you're right there going into the beard and that front center chest cavity or into the vertebrae of the neck. And it's a very fatal shot. Um, turkeys are a really strange and difficult target with archery equipment. And uh, probably the best way for someone to, to truly study it, um, even though you may seem a little bit weird being that guy in your neighborhood, but go to the grocery store, buy a bird out of the frozen food section, go out there and shoot it with your bow and look at the anatomy of the turkey and realize how small your area really is that you have to hit and uh, be ready to be mobile to go after that bird after the shot's released. Uh, it's it's very important to get get to birds quickly if they don't go down instantly. I think um, shot placement is key too. If you don't break the yeah. wing or the leg, um, yeah. it can be hard to recover them. And yeah, no uh, doubt. I'm a big fan of shotguns. I mean, I love bow hunting deer, but uh, I think mm -hmm. um, after bow hunting turkeys a while, I like shotguns. I've lost a lot of turkeys with bow. Absolutely. Anybody. Anybody says they've not lost turkeys to archery equipment. They hide. They they can be uh very difficult to kill with a bow. Yes, or, sir. or not necessarily kill, but just find after you shoot. Yeah, yeah really close shots and big cut and broadheads, Josh. All right, Goomer had another question. He says, if I run into turkey flocks during late deer season, would they potentially be in the same areas in the spring? Oh man. Uh, yes and no. It's uh, it goes back to what we talked about. You just need to stay on top of your scouting. Uh, you know, 365 days a year. If you can't be there, put a trail camera there. The innovations and technologies that we have, uh, get out and listen to them. Most of the time, let's say just let's just say you got a flock of 20 to 60 birds, uh, which could be anywhere in this country. Most of the time, if you leave the birds alone and there's plenty of cover, there's water and there's you know just general habitat food and stuff, you'll at least have a bird around the hunt, you know, at least within earshot to, to go in there and try to call him up or, or, or hunting. Um, this goes back to scouting. Some years there's farms that hold multiple birds and some years there's not. It, it could be something as simple as whether or not there's a cover crop on the farm or whether or not there's, um, you know, a burn down on the agricultural fields. It could be something as much as just the temperature of the spring and what type of weather we have. Um, it, there's there's so many factors there, but uh, scout, scout, and scout some more. So uh, Dave's farm, uh, we very rarely see a deer uh, turkey there during the whole fall deer season, mm -hmm. um, but they're there every spring. Yeah, but they're not I have there all these. Spring. They move some. Have all the. All these friends, they have all these pictures of these groups of 10, 12, 14, 15 gobblers together, you know, and they're all excited. And about three or four weeks before turkey season shows up, they're, they're always thinking that somebody next door is bait because they lost their turkeys, you know. Like, it's not your turkey. It's it's a resource. And those were turkeys that were on your farm. They I, I didn't see your name on any of their legs. And I dang sure didn't see their name written, you know, yeah. on, uh, on their feathers. But... Uh, Turkeys do uh, a lot more moving and transitions than people give them credit for. 
and uh, turkeys cover a lot more area than than people give them credit for. Uh, we've all been guilty of probably uh, being frustrated with uh, hunting turkeys and, and tried to visually find quote unquote uh, easier bird to hunt um, or to get on. But um, you start you start going after a true wild turkey, you know, true, you know, not not living in the suburbs and and not living around the hay ring or the the manure piles or the the creek feeders on the cattle farm um them jokers will they'll keep you hopping on your feet and you'll cover some terrain i promise you because uh you know one of the tactics we didn't talk about is unfortunately some people hunt the same spots from the very first of season to the very end of season and you got to change your tactics up a lot like like white tails you know so yep let's do one more question and then uh get off here so we can all go turkey hunting in the morning <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right. Chase has one here. If you don't have any fields available to hunt, what is the best way to approach tagging a tom? Okay. Uh, can he talk back to us pretty quick? And I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, if he's on here. Uh, yeah, the, you know, it would depend on the terrain, but, uh, you know, if you don't have a field, it's okay. I mean, turkeys don't roost in fields. Turkeys roost in trees. Um, turkeys don't spend all day in the field. Um, one of the things that we talked about is, you know, you can't put that pressure on the turkeys. Everybody thinks that you got to get up at three o'clock in the morning to go hunt turkeys. Your spot may be better at one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, your spot may be better to let them do their thing in the morning and not bump them and go back in there and hunt them when they're coming back to the roost. If it's legal for your state to hunt in the afternoon, um, scouting, paying attention to food sources, looking for scratching, uh, trying to roost a gobbler the night before, just trying to listen to him in the morning. A lot of people will go out in the mornings and listen to turkeys and they hear them gobble, they shut the truck door and they go on. Not, very few people stick around for 35, 40, 50 minutes and figure out if they're going north, east, south, west, or, or you know, just staying where they're at. Um, pattern your birds and uh, remember that the minute that you think you got them figured out, they'll, they'll do something totally different the next day you go to hunt, so. Sometimes the plan comes together and sometimes it doesn't. It's it it has nothing to do with your skill level. I mean, it's just none at all. And you're calling, you can sound like a barking dog. And sometimes you can sound like the real hen and it's just for whatever reason they gobble to the barking dog instead of the you know, the Grand National calling champion. So uh, we they deserve all the credit they need, but sometimes we give them too much credit, if that makes sense. So Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Scott. There's a few uh, people that commented that you are their favorite guest so far. So, Yeah, um, well, maybe you've got an audience that drinks a lot of liquor when they listen or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I hope I didn't come across too bold. Uh, I, I am. Uh, I really respect you, Josh, and, and Dan. I respect you for, for what you've, you've done and, and – uh, you know, you can kick me in the shin when you see me, but uh, as as you've aged, Dan, uh, I want you to know that even men like myself still look up to you as a mentor. And uh, I know that we have several mutual friends that uh, that truly do understand what Dan Enfault's all about. And uh, Josh, publicly, for the record, uh, I, uh, you know, there was one day that I got real fired up on the phone with you about how important it is to push conservation and youth, and that was that was never directed toward you and um, at all. It, I've seen your potential since day one. And uh, you're a family man, 
you're a successful hunter. Uh, you're bringing back the fact of the importance of filling your tag and, and being satisfied with your harvest and your hunting style and your skill. And, uh, and I appreciate Dan giving you the, the inspiration and the mentorship, um, that, that he has. And, uh, I, I think you all are a great, great pair. I think that, uh, I think sometimes, and I can tell you this from working with mentors in my life, that sometimes it's water and oil and, and, and sometimes it's salt and pepper. And, uh, but no, no doubt about it. Both of you are doing the right thing. And, uh, hopefully we can get on again and, and really talk some strategies about, about whitetails cause yeah. there's a whole lot of fat we can chew on that too. Whole lot. Yeah. For sure. You got to walk some things too. So, um, well, thanks God for all the kind that. words. So, yeah yeah anytime <laughs> man it's 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 the respect you deserve so oh, y'all be safe you, good luck hunting. Uh, yeah thanks for thanks well, for being well, on yeah well we'll text each other tomorrow if i don't have one dead by 10 o'clock i'm gonna be like darn it josh i should have just gone and roosted one you know so, yeah there you go so. <laughs> well if you don't right. uh come come up north I'll, or i'll find you one up here it's gonna be about 20 degrees when i go yeah. up tomorrow morning uh yeah, well, it's it's all right. It uh, you old people, Dan, y'all can't feel your toes anyway now, right? So it's uh, me and Josh. We're we're the young whippersnappers, I guess. So we'll we'll uh, we'll pick on you while we can. At least I'll pick on you a few hundred miles away. You can beat me up at your camp. So yeah. So. All right. Thanks, Scott. All right. Yes, sir. Right, y'all be safe. Thanks a ton. Good luck yeah, tomorrow, see you, man. Yeah.